You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 112. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 112. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, supermoms. How are you hanging in there? This is go time for supermoms. We got the holidays coming up. Things are open back up because of COVID. We're able to do a lot more and things are busy. So I hope it's a good busy. I'm hosting Thanksgiving and two days later, a Hanukkah party (laughs) at my house. And my family asked, are you sure you're up for this? This is a lot to do two parties in three days. And I said, if you asked me to sit on the sofa for another three weeks, like I just did after being sick, that would wear me out more than hosting two parties in two days. After having the COVID year with hardly any hosting and gatherings, it feels like more work to not gather than it does to gather. So I'm up for the test. I hope you guys are feeling good and up for this busy holiday season. So today we're going to talk to a mom who's got asking for some help around a kid who's begging and pleading and manipulating and trying to kind of wear her down so she caves in and lets them play video games. So the begging and pleading is wearing me down is the uh, topic for today's podcast. I can't wait. It's going to be a really doozy. It's going to be a good, like powerful, important one today. But before we do, I just finished up my leading your teen class and I just wanted to read you uh, a comment that one of the moms left in our, on our little forum here in the leading your teen class. And she writes, she says, I just wanted to say thank you to Tori for this life-changing class and thank her for introducing me to such a beautiful group of moms. We have all been driven by different circumstances to join this class, yet our struggles and goals are so similar. Before this class, I felt like I lived on an island. And yes, others struggled with their teens, but not like me. Obviously, a bit of warped thinking. I am inspired by all of you for sharing and helping me learn and really look at myself and my part. Good Lord, I have done many years of therapy in my life, but nothing is safe, loving, and productive as this. It's hard work to be aware of your actions and reactions, and it takes a special person to do that work. Being led by a master of awareness and being surrounded by a group of women that see the value and power of personal growth is fueled to do this parenting thing the best I possibly can. Our teens are so supported and they don't even know it, which is a beautiful thing. Well, thank you so much, Mara. It was a fabulous class. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I'm already getting signups for my next one. So if you are interested in the January class, I know there's going to be an evening class may also be a daytime class. We'll have to see how the numbers shake out, but you can go to leadingyourteam.com and get the ball rolling so that you are on the waiting list for January. All right, back to today's topic. Today's question comes from Katie. 
She says, my eight-year-old has an unhealthy relationship with screen time and video games. He's a great kid, very active, competitive, a math whiz, and knows it. He is constantly trying to get access to video games, but especially when it's my busiest time of day. In the morning and evening, I am busy with my special needs daughter, and he gets bored and starts pestering me for access. He knows the rules, but he also knows I'm distracted and likely to cave if he keeps at me. I know I should set clear, consistent boundaries, but he wears me down. Whenever he's bored, he starts needling me, asking, pleading, begging, sneaking, manipulating, bribing me. The kid is a relentless genius and extremely determined. I know I'm doing everything wrong, but he wears me down so much that I'm too tired and just give in. His dad walks in the door, hardly says a word, and that kid drops his video game in a heartbeat. Anybody else relate to that? It sucks to feel like you are failing at the job you've devoted your life to. I know I need to set firm boundaries, but I'm just so worn down. Can you help? So for my parent educator answer, I like to start by talking about your child's innate personality. It sounds like what Katie's describing in her eight-year-old is a personality type that craves excitement. We tend to think that our kids are motivated in the same way we are. So if you're a people pleaser and you want to make people happy, we think that our kids will be motivated by that too. If you crave peace and harmony, it can be hard to imagine that someone would create conflict and drama just for the fun of it. My first suggestion to Katie is to try to figure out what motivates her kid to push her buttons. What is he yearning for? What is a part of his innate personality, the essence of him, that he needs? Is he yearning for power, attention, superiority, revenge, display of inadequacy, peer acceptance, or excitement? So those are the main motivations for misbehavior. I did another blog on those, but I'll read them again real quickly. It's that he, the reasons why a lot of kids will misbehave is because they are yearning for power, some power struggle going on, attention. A lot of kids act up to try to get attention. Superiority. I am better than you, stronger than you, more powerful than you. And I will show you. Revenge. Self-explanatory. Display of inadequacy is when your kids are like, I can't lift my plate off the table. It's too heavy. Where they're like faking inadequacy. Peer acceptance, like a lot of kids will act up in front of their friends so that they, you know, look cool in front of their peers. Or sometimes kids will create problems, conflict, drama, begging, pleading, manipulating, just because they're bored, just because they like excitement. And that to me sounds like what might be going on for here for Katie and her eight-year-old son. Video games are super exciting. So is sneaking around behind mom's back, getting away with something, manipulating, pleading, begging. It's a way to create drama when life gets boring. Does mom need to set clear, consistent boundaries? Absolutely, of course. But the core issue here is that Katie has inadvertently taught her son that the cure for his boredom is to harass her into exhaustion. He is getting rewarded with a whole bunch of dopamine for pleading, begging, and pestering her. 
Dopamine is the reward chemical that feels so good, we get addicted to it. We keep coming back for more. So he's getting a huge reward for this behavior that she doesn't like. Setting firm boundaries would work if they're very boring, repetitive, just like wearing seatbelts. We do the same thing every day, no drama, no conflict. It works for dad, obviously, right? Like dad walks in the room, he drops the video games. So that would totally work, but it also would require energy and attention for mom. And since she's already exhausted and preoccupied doing something else, and she says she doesn't set boundaries easily, I don't suggest that she start with that. Is it good? Yes, but start it when you've got lots of energy and attention and you can put like all your focus on it. So instead, let's give the kid the excitement he's yearning for. It is hard to compete with a video game. I will give you that. It is very difficult. Video games are extremely exciting and designed to produce a lot of dopamine. And for sure, this mama is not going to be able to come up with creative, exciting ideas in the moment. When he's bored and he starts pestering her and she's preoccupied and tired taking care of her special needs daughter, that is not the time for her to access a river of creativity of here's another exciting idea you can do. So what I suggest is to create a special jar filled with fun ideas folded up on pieces of paper. And every time her eight-year-old gets bored, she can direct him to his special jar of activities. So these activities need to be exciting, fun, competitive, you know, tying into his innate personality, active, physical, showing off things. So this could be his special jar. Nobody else gets to touch it. He doesn't even get to touch it unless it's during these times of the day when the mom is preoccupied with the daughter. So the paper might say, Count all the windows in the house and measure the biggest one. If he's good at math, might as well capture his love of math and his love of physical activity. Another paper might say, draw a pathway on the driveway with sidewalk chalk, a bike route for you to ride your bike on. There might be a paper that says, set the timer and try to walk on your hands for 30 seconds. Dribble the soccer ball outside for one minute. We're catering to his innate personality, his need for excitement, for activity, for competitiveness, and maybe math and a little bit of showing up. So when he finishes his activity, because you can see like 30 seconds of walking on your hands, that might take him an hour, right? That That might keep him busy for a while. But when he masters it, then he gets a reward, something to produce dopamine. Maybe a new Pokemon card, maybe some money, a sticker on a chart, a sweet treat, something to feed his dopamine addiction. So this way, he's being rewarded for physical activity, competition, and perseverance towards building a skill instead of being rewarded for getting one over on mom. Today's life coaching answer, what will get in her way of implementing this excitement jar for her eight-year-old and redirecting it, him to the jar instead of letting him pressure her. So what's going to get in her way from implementing this? I think the 
thinking that she's supposed to be good at every aspect of parenting. You know, you could hear in her question how many self-defeating thoughts were in there. But we're not supposed to be good at every aspect of parenting. Because there's a lot that goes into it, a lot that goes into just being a mom, having kids, running a house that, that we kind of falls under the mom role. Like how many moms out there developed a new appreciation for teachers during the pandemic? Or before the pandemic, you might have thought like, ah, it's teaching it can't be that hard. And then you got your kids at home and you're responsible for their homeschooling and their socializing and their physical activity. And ugh. It was like, it's exhausting, right? Not everyone's cut out to be a teacher. Just because you know stuff, you have kids, does not mean that you should expect to be good at educating children. Would you expect to be able to remodel your own kitchen after reading a book or two on house remodeling? If not, why not? You've got tools, you've got brain power, and now you have knowledge. Why wouldn't you take this task on yourself? Maybe some of you would, but that's because it's tied into an innate desire, a part of you that feels called to do that. But for a lot of us, we would not expect to take this on ourselves because we aren't expected to by society. People aren't going to shame me if I hire someone to remodel my kitchen. They're not going to call me selfish or lazy for letting somebody else come and replace my cabinets or paint my walls, right? So because society has deemed it's appropriate to delegate this, it makes it okay. You could learn to fix your car on your own by watching YouTube videos on how to repair your own car problems. Are you self-indulgent because you delegate this task to others? No, because society has deemed it okay. But there's way too much societal shaming if you try and delegate the parts of parenting that you don't enjoy and aren't good at. Why is there judgment around delegating certain aspects of parenting to more qualified people, but there isn't any judgment when moms pay someone to cut their hair? It's illogical. You have a mirror and scissors at home. You've had this hair your whole life. Shouldn't you be the expert in cutting your own hair? That's logic. We're just, we're saying like, well, you should be able to parent your kids. You decided to have kids. They're yours. You've known them your whole life. But one of those we feel okay delegated. We can go let somebody else cut our hair because they do a better job and it's more aligned with their calling and their essence. And they love it. It's their creativity. So why do we feel like we have to be good at every aspect of parenting? Can we please stop buying into the cultural programming? that says, I am a mom and therefore should enjoy every aspect of parenting and be good at it. Instead, let's start asking, what helps my kids thrive? When do I see them light up? Start off really broad. Is it competition that lights them up? Is it being a part of a team? Is it having the freedom to roam the streets, the neighborhoods, exploring on their own? Is it when they get to use their creativity and come up with their own ideas? Do my kids thrive with structured routines, consistent boundaries, and consequences? Do my kids thrive with lots of music around and 
affection? Or do they thrive keeping busy with outside activities? Start with the question, what helps my kids thrive? When do I see them light up? And then ask, what makes me the best version of myself? What helps me thrive? Is it time by myself to learn and explore? Is it time away in nature, being in front of an audience, exercising, hanging out with friends and connecting with other people my age that I like? Is it organizing parties and events that make me be the best version of myself? Is it when I have a perfectly clean house and there's lots of quiet and calm in it? What helps me become the best version of me? Then ask, how can I facilitate a dream team of people that help my child thrive and me thrive? Who can I bring onto this team and delegate to that will bring out the best in me and in my child? If you love cooking but hate house cleaning, find a mom who feels the opposite and ask to swap. I will make two lasagnas on Sunday. You can clean my house on Sunday. It's if people who love house cleaning find it even more fun to clean other people's homes. But we've created this sort of social shaming around that of like, oh, I should be able to cook and clean and do all the things. But it's just not fair or logical. If helping kids discover their creativity brings out the best in you, then don't waste your time following other people's rules that sort of drains your life energy and drains your enthusiasm. If you prefer doing arts and crafts with kids than driving your kids around town, then find someone to drive your kids around town while you spend more time in your zone of genius illuminating creativity in others. The only reason we feel resistance to delegating some of these tasks like cooking, parenting, driving, party planning, organizing, is because we don't see a lot of other moms doing it. You wouldn't think twice about hiring a soccer coach, hiring a piano teacher, or hiring a tutor because society has normalized those things for us. So why can't we normalize delegating the things in areas of parenting that we don't enjoy aren't, and aren't really naturally good at? So believing that you are failing at the job you've devoted your life to is, first of all, that's a really exhausting thought to think. And I'm sure a lot of people could relate to it. Like that sucks to be in that place, right? But if we want to tackle that, we, we could take, come at it from two different angles. Number one is we can recognize the areas of mothering where you shine. What are you really good at? What do other people compliment you on? Focus on your successes and let go of the idea that you are supposed to be good at every aspect of parenting. You know, let other people access their zone of genius and share that with you. If somebody loves cutting hair, let them cut your hair. If somebody loves cleaning houses, let them clean your house. If somebody loves playing math games with your kids while you nurture your daughter, let it happen. <laughs> Bring in a, a kid, a mother's helper, 
to come over and play games with your kids and just don't even stress about it. Let the 13-year-old tell your eight-year-old, no, we're not going to play video games right now. We're going to play this math game instead. It's okay to not feel like you have to do it all yourself. Okay, so that's number one. Number two way of tackling this failing at the job you've devoted your life to is to ask yourself the question, how hard do I want to work? Could you learn to set firm boundaries and come up with creative alternatives to your child's boredom while also caring for a special needs child and running the house? Sure. But it's kind of like if I decided I'm going to become a plumber. Can I learn that skill set? Yes. But it's so misaligned with my essence, my interests, my passions, my talents, that I would have to work really hard every day to be happy plumbing. There's nothing wrong with people who devote their life to art, let's say. But if I devoted my life to art, I would feel inadequate every day because I'm comparing myself to people who are doing work they love. It would be joyful and effortless to them, but difficult and confusing to me. So stay true to yourself, your talents, your interests, and what makes you feel fully alive and feel the ease, the joy, and success that comes from being aligned with your essence. Today's supermom kryptonite is not believing it's okay to ask for what you want. Some moms will only stand up for themselves once they are past the breaking point. Once they're melting down, exhausted, yelling, then they'll finally think it's okay to eke out a little bit of uh, freedom for themselves. Some moms create drama or play the victim just in order to justify their right to get what they want. Some of us will just self-sacrifice and exhaust ourselves through hard work, hoping that someone will say, hey, you've done enough. It's okay for you to take a break. Start believing it's okay to ask for what you want. Tell your kids to ask for what they want. It's probably the most effective strategy I have for sibling rivalry. Your kids are going at it, they're bickering, and you say, honey, ask for what you want. Instead of saying, you did this to me, and you did this, and the blaming, what do you want? Ask them. It will shift the energy so fast if you can remind and encourage your kids to ask for what they want. And it also stops the begging, the pleading, the, if they could just stand in their power and say, I want to play video games, and you say, I can see that you do, but no, now is not the time. You can play video games on Saturday or wherever you've decided it's okay. But tell them, ask for what you want. And then you practice asking for what you want. I want a house at the beach. <laughs> That's what my friend used to say. Every time her kid's like, I'm hungry. I want dessert. I want this. She said, I want a house at the beach. And guess what? She has a house at the beach. <laughs> Took her a couple of years later. So the act of tuning into yourself enough to know what you want and then believing you are worthy of it will connect you to the best part of you. Here's the magic. It doesn't matter if you get it or not. <laughs> 
There is so much power and magic in the knowing what you want, believing you are worthy of receiving it, and having the courage to ask for it, that whether you get it or not is minor. Because knowing what you want, believing you're worthy of receiving it, and having the courage to ask, you've got the ball rolling, the momentum growing, and soon you're going to have that house at the beach like you want, just like my friend does. Today's Super Mom Power Boost is the manual for teens. One of the exercises I do in my Leading Your Teen class is I ask moms to write down their manual for their teens. We all have this unwritten manual for how our teens should live. And when they don't live up to our expectations, it kind of drives us a little crazy. It's not that we are wrong. It's just that our expectations are very high and we expect them to obey this invisible manual easily and without effort on our part. So these subconscious expectations are the cause of a lot of frustration. So I find it extremely helpful to write them out so that we know what we're dealing with. But what surprised me is how much fun it would be to read everyone else's manuals. Somehow, seeing it written out in an instruction book type format creates levity around a situation that normally causes frustration. I will give you an example. Here are some instructions from the manuals of some moms in the Leading Your Teen class. Number one, my teen should be an active part of the family. Number two, my teen should be supportive of her sister. Number three, my teen should prioritize their mental, emotional, and physical health, eating healthy, exercising, being confident, having a positive self-image and growth mindset. My teen should know when to take a shower. My teen should be able to go into a store and buy something. My teen should be able to use the home phone to call someone. My teen should be able to have longer than a one-minute conversation with their grandparents. My teen should find extracurricular activities they are interested in and pursue them with determination and passion. My teen should confide in and share their feelings with their mother. My teen should not leave dirty dishes in their bedroom. My teen should want to spend holidays and vacations with their family. My teen should let and take their picture once in a while. Uh, My teen should listen to my excellent advice and accept my offers to help. My kids should be happy 90% of the time. My kids should be appreciative of all the things they have. My kids should be able to cook scrambled eggs or anything, really. My kids should not do the minimum, but maximum effort is the expectation. If we all have the expectations that teens should be, let's say, nice to their parents and siblings, and we are all frustrated that they are not obeying this rule in our manual, then perhaps we are wrong. Perhaps teens shouldn't always be nice to their parents and siblings. Perhaps this is the normal developmental phase they're all going through, and this idea that they should be nice to us all, all the time, is just something we made up. So I love reading other people's manuals. So I'm going to post these in the Supermom is Getting Tired Facebook page or Facebook group so that you can get a boost of energy, perhaps a laugh of recognition and a little more levity while raising your adolescent. Today's quote of the day. Everybody is a genius, 
But if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Albert Einstein. Thank you so much for listening, super moms. I will love you and leave you. Have a great week. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.